Up ahead, we tell you the truth about the incredible secrets and lies. And then the Silver Surfer loses his powers in Silver Surfer Devolution straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, we start out with The Incredibles, uh, Secrets and Lies. Uh, this begins with Agent Dicker uh, calling Helen to uh, go on a mission of utmost importance to capture uh, Bomb Voyage and uh, also the person who has hired Bomb Voyage, uh, someone named Zarek. And in order to help her, uh, he is sending along uh, Mirage to be his, her uh, assistant on this. And they just go at it. She nearly strangles uh, Mirage, uh, who was the... Uh, the uh, assistant to the villain in the first uh, Incredibles movie, but was misguided and did uh, try to help uh, them escape. Uh, But Helen is really carrying a grudge, thinking that uh, she seduced her husband into this dangerous secret life uh, in the Incredibles movie, and so... Uh, she complains about that as they continue on this dangerous uh, mission, which she's keeping secret from her husband. Because it turns out that the man behind this, Zarek, is actually her ex-boyfriend. They are captured by, uh, and then in short order, end up defeating Bomb Voyage, a sort of uh, French mime-type character in terms of his look who uh, deals with bombs. So it's a pun, not a great one. However, she does get led to Zarek, who insists on having dinner, informing her that uh, essentially, if he's planning something nefarious, the only way that she can actually stop him is to get him to give the information, because at this point, uh, you know, she's not going to have time, because it would have already been initiated. Uh, so they have dinner, and they talk in a tedious fashion until Mirage shows up. And then Zarek reveals what he was up to. Absolutely nothing. And he said that despite her supposed loyalty to her family, she had come out and run a secret mission on uh, slottish provocation. And he said that what he was testing was her integrity and her commitment and that she failed. And that's the end of her particular story in this. Meanwhile, uh, Bob is uh, continuing to train the kids in superhero stuff more than she would like, taking advantage of her absence and ordering them not to tell their mother. Violet is unhappy because her boyfriend's family was forced to move away, and so Bob responds harshly by telling her to get a job, Uh, and she is upset that she can't see her boyfriend, 
And so Bob makes her take a job working at Doc Sunlight's laboratory and says that they will see about her being able to see uh, her boyfriend if she does well on the job and keeps her grades up. But if she doesn't, then they'll cut off her phone time altogether. You know, I have noticed that the comic book writers have tend to made Bob a bit uh, more authoritarian and thoughtless in the comics. Uh, you saw it a little bit with Mark Wade, but this is the first volume written entirely by Landry Walker, and it is just, you know, over the top. Um, but at any rate, uh, Violet uh, then steals uh, something from the laboratory to uh, use a, a teleportation device so she can meet with her boyfriend. However, since uh, Bob doesn't know that she's the one who stole it from the laboratory, uh, he goes on a mad search to find it. And uh, eventually... Dash discovers them uh, while they're trying to defeat a uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex robot. And she brings her little brother in and makes him complicit in the whole case. And the family comes back together at the end, all bearing their various secrets and lies. And with a clear, uh, unspoken strain on the family as everybody's trying to hide something from everybody else. Uh, and at the mean, meanwhile, we do see at the last, uh, we do see Zarek being care, led away to prison, but we find out that he has contacts and already has influence in the prison, and uh, they have a secret evil plan they're about to implement, which will be implemented in the next volume. Um, overall, I did not care for this particular book. Uh, you know, you really have to work at it, it seems like, if you're going to take characters as well-beloved as the Incredibles and make them unlikable. And um, this is exactly what they uh, managed to do. Because uh, I, I didn't find any of them likable. Now, you can have characters have flaws or do bad things, uh, but, you know, and still be good characters because, you know, we're human beings, we make mistakes. But if you want to keep them likable and keep the story going, you include some of the, them doing some of the things that we like them for. And we can see how this is, you know, out of character. And they really didn't do that in this book. Uh, I don't recognize these characters in the way they're written. The villains uh, aren't great. I really had problems with the idea that uh, Helen would have had a relationship with Zarek. You know, even given the fact that, you know, I won't assume that you know, Helen was an incredibly shallow woman. Uh, there's not a whole lot there with Zarek, either personality or looks wise, that would have made um, him even close to Elastigirl's league. Uh, so, yeah, this might be rectified a little bit in the final book, but this is a book on its own, and it's four issues. Uh, it should not. Uh, be involve uh, storytelling much more complex than that. So this one, uh, Incredible Secrets and Lies, gets a rating of not classy. All right, we're moving on to Silver Surfer Devolution. The book opens with Galactus deciding he needs to take a bath in the sun. 
And so the surfer flies to Mexico, where his presence attracts a lot of attention, apparently involving the organization of American uh, states, which has, like, armored robots and things, I guess, in the Marvel Universe, because they go out, and some, and it's confusing how exactly it happens, but uh, some people are injured severely, one person is killed, and uh, the surfer is able to save a woman who is close to dying, uh, but is unable to save uh, her friend uh, Angel, who does pass away. After the surfer does this, he's nabbed by a very polite supervillain known as the High Evolutionary. And you know the guy is polite because he points out that he specifically waits until the surfer is done providing medical assistance. And uh, also, while inflicting major pain on the surfer, uh, says a couple of times, My apologies. I mean, you just don't get that uh, thoughtful service from most supervillains these days. The High Evolutionary is able to steal the Surfer's powers, and because the Surfer has been shot, he ends up bleeding a bit and collapsing, and he's taken in and saved by Susie Endo, uh, who works for the OAS. And he is trapped in this very darkly lit uh, building where they're trying to keep him, but the surfer makes for escape. And Susie helps him get out uh, in a uniform, and they seek out the high evolutionary to find out what he's doing and to stop him. And it turns out that the high evolutionary has plans of his own. Uh, he has taken a 77-year-old man and turned him into kind of a hybrid human silver surfer creature um, and says that this guy could live forever, but he's pretty emotionalist and actually very physically stiff. You know, it just looks like a statue. Um, and he wants to bring this sort of perfection to lifeless planets throughout the galaxy. But he wants a herald, and it's not the surfer he wants, but Susie Endo. And so at the end of issue two, Susie is transformed into uh, the herald of the high evolutionary, the Seeker. And uh, Norn tries to bring her back uh, because he knows what it's like to be transformed. But she gets away. And this, though, is when the story does get better as the Fantastic Four, or I should say the Future Foundation, at this point comes to rescue him. Um, at this point, Johnny Storm is dead in the Marvel uh, Universe. And so you have this organization known as the Future Foundation, which includes uh, some of the uh, kids of uh, uh, the uh, original uh, Fantastic Four, as well as a grandkid. And uh, you would have Spider-Man in there, and even Doctor Doom would be part of the uh, Future Foundation for a while. And they show up, and the surfer has an amazing amount of attitude, way more attitude than you typically see with this character. And uh, they're determined to follow the High Evolutionary out and see what he's planning. And uh, the High Evolutionary uh, wants to terraform the moon. The Seeker points out some really good reasons why it would be a better idea to terraform Mars. But because he's uh, a quote-unquote evolved human, the High Evolutionary is determined that the people on Earth need to see this. 
However, as they're flying in their spaceship, uh, they talk about the idea of terraforming the moon, I mean the moon. And Reed Richards had wanted to do that for quite a while, but he ran some calculations and found that uh, because of the changes it would make in the tide and all of the uh, problems it would cause with uh, gravity, that it would displace 183 million people. So uh, terraforming mean the moon was not a great idea. And they figured the high evolutionary didn't take that into consideration. Uh, Norin goes out into space to confront the seeker, who is just as much under the control of the high evolutionary as he was under the control of Galactus. He challenges her uh, and tr- provokes her successfully into firing beams at him. And that, because of a device that Reed Richards uh, rigged up, allows him to reclaim some of the power cosmic. And once they both have the power cosmic, you know what happens next. They kiss in mid-space. It's a really pretty piece of art. But in the context of what's going on and them having only known each other for a few hours, it's just incredibly silly, but apparently they're in love, and so we'll just go with that, I guess. Um, and Reed flies down to the planet to try and stop the High Evolutionary, and it turns out he's going to have to stop the Seeker. And that leads the Silver Surfer to oppose uh, Reed, even though in trying to stop uh, him from stopping uh the Seeker, they're going to call, kill a lot of people on Earth. Uh, the Surfer has been in love with this woman for a couple hours now. However, uh, she assures the Surfer there's no need for uh, him to uh, protect her because Reed can't harm her anyway. And uh, she says that while this could bring big global changes, that humanity can change. And uh, he, a surfer rejects this, says, you know, individuals can change, but civilizations don't. Uh, from his experience, they keep going their own way till they end up being destroyed. However, uh, she points out that uh, their combined power, they could force people on Earth to hide the fact that, um, you know, you're not even talking about something like, you know, reducing emissions or anything like that. You're dealing with a massive sudden change in tides because some scientist decided it might be a nice idea to build his own perfect form of life on the moon. And you'd probably be dealing with people in third world countries with a lot of difficulties. But let's leave that aside. Because it all becomes moot when Galactus comes out of the sun. And they wondered, because uh, one thing the High Evolutionary did, in addition to stealing the power uh, cosmic, was ripping off some of Galactus's tech. Uh, from his ship. But instead, Galactus sees the High Evolutionary now as a balancing force. Uh, the uh, High Evolutionary will fill planets with life, and Galactus will drain planets of life and destroy them. The, pow- the devourer of worlds and the creator of worlds. It's a balanced thing, and so he respects that, and the High Evolutionary flies off. And 
the surfer is ready to offer some explanations to Galactus, and the Galactus says, you know, no need. Uh, you've obviously chosen a new path, and, you know, go in peace and have fun. And, you know, you think everybody's going to get off. Well, not everybody, because Galactus is now hungry and decides to go and eat the moon. Uh, apparently a case of Marvel imitating the tech because they had their Galactus parody uh, end up eating the moon back in the cartoon series. The Silver Surfer flies over to Galactus and says, wait a second, this is not something that you should do. There are planets that you you could consume uh, that w- without life on them. And he's like, well, uh, nobody can find it for me. I don't have a herald. You know, which is kind of a uh, manipulative way to do it. It's like, okay, you can have true love, but I'm going to eat the moon, and that will end up destroying uh, your the whole planet Earth. So, of course, the surfer uh, does end up returning to the skies, uh, but not uh, before he uh, uh, takes... Susie onto the moon and puts her in a protective uh, force field and she loses the power cosmic and he says that he's bound to her forever uh, you know unless uh, he meets a cute girl from Maine with uh, a ladybug themed clothes I guess and of course the FF takes Susie back to earth and she's never heard from again uh, this book was not horrible. I think it started out really weak. It got better when the FF became involved and you got up into space and you got some really nice artwork. I love some of the sparks with like Galactus getting out of the sun. Uh, you know, some really cool visuals that were mixed in in here. The problem, I think, is that uh, there are two folds. One is the surfer so often acts out of character. Uh, you know, I think that there have been enough explorations of the Silver Surfer that we know who the character is beneath the sur- uh, beneath the Surfer and beneath the Power Cosmic. And this was off in several places, just the way he spoke and... Uh, is some of his actions there. Uh, probably the biggest problem that uh, hurt the book is the romance just doesn't work. And it's not just because, you know, it's not Don Greenwood, and I read and love that series uh, where he had this growing relationship with Don Greenwood that started out as him rescuing her, became friendship, and then really you do get a feeling that it blossomed into uh, love. Uh, but I, I think that throughout his existence, the Silver Surfer has carried a torch for uh, Shalabah, uh, his uh, lost love from Zin Law. And uh, the Don Greenwood Silver Surfer series did end up uh, dealing with that as she had, t- as Shalabal had taken some actions that were, uh, that put her and the surfer on very different sides. Um, this one, it just doesn't seem to rise to that same epic level. I mean, they met a few hours, uh, 
and we're expecting to believe this is a lifelong love. I mean, this is not a Broadway musical. You know, you, you can get away with that in certain genres. Um, I don't think you can get away with it here because, I mean, all we really know about Susie is that she worked um, for the um, Organization of American States and uh, that uh, she was, you know, nice enough to help him escape. Uh, but there's no real foundation for feeling like we should be invested in this relationship. The way the story's written, it's pretty pointless if you're not invested in the relationship. So overall, I'm going to give it a rating of not classy. Also, we gave a rating of not classy to Incredibles, Secrets and Lies. That will do it for today. Join us back here uh, next week for another episode of the Classy Comics Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments to ClassyComicsGuy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. And be sure and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.